This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In 1851, the French Ministry of Public Education dispatched assistant librarian Leon Renier to Algeria. He was tasked with uncovering the secrets of this foreign land. To them, Algeria was shrouded in story and legend, ready to be explored and uncovered. While there, Renier explored a Roman fortress that had once belonged to the Legio Tre Augusta, or Third Roman Legion. He was astonished to find that the site, which dated back to about 120 CE, was still well-preserved. He could even read and decipher the inscriptions on the walls and pillars. Renier surveyed the property and noticed that there were no fewer than 1,400 different pieces of text scattered all through the ruins. Each one told a part of the story about the men who'd been stationed there. But one particular inscription stood out, a dedication to the commander of the Legio Tre Augusta, Lucius Novius Crispinus Martialis Saturninus. The engraving described Crispinus's entry into the Senate, his role officiating the annual equestrian Troy Games, and most importantly, his service as an officer with the Ninth Roman Legion the same legion that disappeared around 120 CE. Crispinus's tribute wasn't dated, but over time, epigraphers were able to connect the dots. His credits included his work as a Roman magistrate, commanding forces in Numidia, Africa. Cross-referencing this to other historical references, they were able to place his term somewhere between 147 CE and 149 CE. Working backwards from there, Researchers determined that Crispinus had been a soldier in the 9th Roman Legion some 20 years earlier, 
around 127 to 129 CE, over a decade after the legion was thought to vanish. Meaning that the ninth might not have disappeared after all. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. This is our final episode on the disappearing Ninth Roman Legion, one of the Roman Empire's most seasoned armies. In a gruesome battle against Queen Boudicca in 60 CE, the legion lost 80% of their men. The weakened unit was subsequently stationed in York, where the last traces of the 9th Roman legion were found, and supposedly, the legion met its end. Last week, we journeyed from the possible formation of the 9th Roman legion during the social wars through their battles against Pompey the Great and Queen Cleopatra, up until the legion disappeared from history around 120 CE. This week, we'll cover the many theories surrounding the mysterious 9th Roman legion and how they might have met their fate. For years, historians believed that the 9th had been wiped out during their time in York. But evidence has surfaced to suggest the 9th may have survived beyond the reign of Emperor Trajan, which ended in 117 CE. It's possible that they even fought in the Second Jewish Revolt around 135 CE, before it was finally disbanded for good. The problem with all these theories is the same. The meticulously bureaucratic Romans left no record of the Ninth's destiny. So even our best guesses are shrouded in mystery. By 71 CE, the 9th Roman Legion was struggling to stay afloat after a few devastating blows. The most recent and most galling was their defeat in the battle against the rebel British Queen Boudicca. It left the Legion understaffed and recruitment efforts weren't going well. At the turn of the century, the 9th was stationed in a stone fortress known as a Boricum in modern-day York, England. But so far as records were concerned, around that time, the 9th Roman Legion simply vanished. Later, they were deliberately left out of archives, like Emperor Aurelius's columns constructed in 165 CE. But there's no explanation as to why the 9th wasn't included. Somehow, the fate of the 9th Roman Legion simply never made it into the official histories. So where could they have disappeared to? For centuries, the most popular theory, and the first one that we'll explore, was that the 9th Roman Legion encountered some kind of violent resistance and was completely wiped out in York. 
they disappeared because they were all violently killed. While the Aboricum Fortress was being completed, Rome was dealing with some serious unrest in northern Britain. By the time it was finished, this unrest had escalated into a full-scale revolt. In 115 CE, the Celtic tribes in the city of Malton seemingly started a massive fire. At least, that's what's been theorized based on the archaeological evidence. The Ninth was tasked with restoring order and suppressing these tribes in the north. But those tribes knew the diminished reputation of the weakened Ninth Roman Legion. So, on a cold February evening in 118 CE, the Celtic warriors launched a preemptive attack on the legionaries who hadn't yet left their fort. The full moon was high and bright when 20,000 Celtic tribesmen descended on Eboricum. The warriors had done their homework and knew exactly where the weakest parts of the Roman base were. They easily overran the barracks. The legion was filled with new, untrained recruits. The vulnerable, freezing cold soldiers had not yet acclimated to the chilly climate. The men were unprepared to fight, their armor and weapons likely stored outside of their sleeping quarters. They had to make do with the resources they had at the moment, and those resources weren't enough. The ambush cost them their lives. It was only a matter of hours before what remained of the weakened Ninth Roman Legion was obliterated completely. Scholars like Theodore Mommsen believe this was how the Ninth met their fate. He even received a Nobel Prize for his book, A History of Rome, where he expressed his belief that the Ninth had been wiped out by the Brigantes at Aboricum around 118 CE. But author and historian Mark Olley contests this theory in his book, The Disappearing Ninth Legion. He claims that archaeological evidence doesn't show any damage done to the fortress that might signify a battle occurred here. This led theorists to believe that the Ninth may have met their fate outside Aboricum's gates while responding to another order given by their supervisor, Governor Falco. Falco may have led them south to stage an attack on hostile tribesmen just beyond York. According to this theory, the legionaries took a route known as Penine Way, now a national trail that spans 268 miles. Moving slowly, with their heavy gear strapped to their backs, the legionaries trudged over lush, green, rolling hills and stumbled across the rocky terrain. It seems they weren't very discreet, because the story goes their rivals received word of their unplanned visit. The enemy soldiers got a leg up on the 9th and surrounded the Roman legion halfway through their trek. They then murdered every single legionary who was serving the 9th. Perhaps the tribesmen burned the bodies and looted all of their weapons and materials. Maybe this was the reason there was no evidence of the 9th Roman Legion after their time in York. But it's suspicious that the allegedly stolen goods and weapons never resurfaced in later British archaeological digs. Unless these barbarian tribes melted down every last scrap of metal, some kind of evidence of the Legion would have turned up somewhere, only it hasn't. Without any hard clues or leads, 
archaeologists have searched for the truth about the Ninth for years. Because there was so little indication of where they disappeared to, people began to wonder if there was something more supernatural going on, perhaps having to do with the warrior Queen Boudicca. To recap from last episode, Roman legends suggested that she'd led an army of witches and druids. Many were said to cast spells that would turn people into animals, plants, or even stones. As she lay on her deathbed, the queen of the witches and druids placed a curse upon the Romans she had fought. She wanted to be sure that even after her death, the violent and corrupt legionaries would pay for their sins. We don't know what the curse entailed exactly, but it is a bit odd that within a few generations, the Ninth mysteriously, inexplicably vanished. Perhaps they were turned into a pack of wolves who ran off into the night, or a pile of forgettable rocks. However, historians give absolutely no credence to this theory, and it's only mentioned briefly in folklore about the Queen, much like the hypotheses that the Ninth were wiped out in Aboricum or on Penine Way, this is a colorful possibility, but there's no reason to accept it as true. Given this utter lack of any corroborating evidence, many have toyed with the idea that the Ninth Roman Legion didn't meet a violent fate after all. Perhaps they just got a little too cozy with the enemy. During the time they were stationed in York, around 118 CE, the Ninth came in close proximity with the Brigantes, one of the largest Celtic groups still unconquered by Rome. Duncan B. Campbell, scholar of Greek and Roman warfare, argues in his book, The Fate of the Ninth, that the Ninth had good reason to see the Brigantes as friendly. The Brigantes set up outposts on the giant swath of land surrounding York, then appeared to remain peaceful and passive after an amicable separation from the Roman colonies. Intermingling between the Romans and the locals was not uncommon during these times. It's possible that the Ninth took Briganti women as wives and fathered children with both Roman and Celtic blood. When they retired, the legionaries may have joined the Celtic people instead of returning to Rome to settle down. It's possible that some even deserted during their service and the Briganti tribes kept them hidden. Author Tom Stanier suggests in his article, The Brigantes and the Ninth Legion, that perhaps the Ninth was the victim of mass desertions from 119 onwards, and it dwindled away until the authorities decided to disband it altogether. Of course, this all must have happened quickly. Again, only 47 years passed between the time the Ninth built the Aboricum Fortress and the time they were left off of Hadrian's columns. That's enough for a few men to abandon their duty, but what would make the entire legion suddenly desert en masse? This is the rare theory where the lack of hard evidence actually counts in its favor. A man breaking his sacred vow isn't going to leave a detailed explanation of where he went or why. And Roman officials were similarly motivated to cover up the betrayals. An entire disloyal legion would be a massive embarrassment to the empire. So perhaps the Brigantes weren't the ones to deliver the final blow to the Ninth Roman Legion after all. 
at least not a fatal blow. Whether or not the Ninth had a desertion problem or not, we can presume that they probably weren't all killed in a massive battle at the start of the century. In fact, evidence later surfaced that a few men of the Ninth Legion claimed to have served until nearly 130 CE. Meaning the Ninth Roman Legion was still standing during the reign of Emperor Hadrian, and their story continued for years after they left the last piece of evidence in York. Coming up, a theory that the Ninth may have aided in the construction of Hadrian's Wall before being absorbed by another legion entirely. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now back to the story. Many historians and scholars, including Nobel Prize-winning Theodore Momsen, believed the Ninth Roman Legion was totally annihilated in York, England, sometime around 118 CE. Others have speculated that the Ninth got too cozy with the Brigante tribe and integrated into their society, ultimately bringing disgrace to the Roman Empire. If the Ninth Roman Legion was seen as an embarrassment, they would probably have been subjected to what was called damnatio memoria. In English, the phrase translates to condemnation of memory. It meant that a person or group was excluded from documented accounts, their property was seized, their name erased from memorials, and their statues completely reworked. For example, in 31 CE, a Roman soldier and royal advisor named Lucius Aelius Seanus was caught conspiring to overthrow the emperor. He suffered damnatio memoria. His statues were destroyed and his name was scratched away from all public records, including coins. Some of those coins were later discovered by archeologists who knew they had been dedicated to Lucius. His picture remained, but his name had been etched out entirely and the punishment wasn't limited to individuals. In 238 CE, the Legio Tre Augusta was disbanded and underwent Damnatio Memoria. The specific reasons are unknown, but the Legion's good name was restored 15 years later in 253 CE when Emperor Valerian came to power. What this means is if they'd been disbanded in shame, the Ninth's inscription should have also been removed from pre-existing monuments and records. They too should have been chiseled off of coins and statues, except there is no evidence of this being the case. But there is evidence to suggest that the Ninth may have actually survived well beyond the year 118 CE. We don't know what they were up to around that time because the Roman Empire was experiencing a rare period of peace. The men of the Ninth lived quiet lives at Aboricum, handling ordinary chores that were never exciting enough to make it into the history books. 
It was a time for recuperation, since the Ninth still hadn't rebuilt after their battles against the British tribes. Then, in 122 CE, the emperor came to visit, Hadrian, and he was concerned about the Ninth's sluggish recovery, especially given how rebellious the newly conquered British could be. He wasn't sure his men were prepared to defend the empire in the event of another revolt. So he went north to Britain. It wasn't common for emperors to travel long distances, mostly because they journeyed with servants, soldiers, bureaucrats, and more. But it was crucial that Hadrian assess the situation for himself. And after surveying the lands around Aboricum, he decided to build a wall in Carlisle, Britain. And this was no ordinary wall. It was 73 miles wide, 20 feet high, 10 feet thick, and ran from coast to coast. Hadrian needed all the help he could get to build this monstrosity, and his legions were just the men for the job. One was the Legio Sex Victrix, the sixth Roman legion. The sixth were no strangers to the ninth. They'd fought alongside each other during the Battle of Actium, the nautical war between Octavian, Mark Antony, and Cleopatra. Initially, the sixth was stationed at the base in the Lower Rhine in modern-day Germany. But in 122 CE, Emperor Hadrian restationed them in Aboricum, the ninth York Fortress. This suggests that Hadrian was likely trying to help build up the ninth's ranks, or at the very least, Aboricum had enough free space to house the Sixth Legion. Which is what led many theorists to believe that after Hadrian's wall was completed, the Ninth was absorbed into the Sixth altogether. The problem is, there's no official account of this having happened. And these things should have been recorded with great detail. The empire kept information on all Roman citizens, including their date of birth, their marriages, and the details of their military services. Scribes tracked wills, legal trials, and land ownership. So it's only natural they would have a file on what happened to an entire Roman legion. Perhaps Hadrian and his officials had reason not to document the merger. Possibly because Hadrian was embarrassed by the Ninth, who'd once been feared and was now decrepit. Roman historian Tacitus even recorded that the Ninth was maxime invalida, meaning they were the weakest of all. If the Ninth wasn't doomed to Domnatio Memoria, then maybe the remaining legionaries were quietly folded into the Sixth Roman Legion's ranks with little fanfare and Hadrian's officials conveniently failed to make note of the Union to spare the Empire further embarrassment. In fact, antiquarian John Horsley discovered a piece of evidence that might support exactly that scenario. In the early 1700s, author Horsley was regarded as an expert on Roman antiquities. He lived near Hadrian's Wall and took a great interest in the disappearing Ninth Roman Legion and his research led him to uncover evidence of a possible merger between the Ninth and the Sixth in the most unlikely of places, a roofing tile. For context, early in the first century, legionaries engaged in a lot of building projects. 
it was customary for soldiers to imprint the name of their legion on tiles. Shortly before 1707, a stamped plate surfaced that bore the inscription Legnoum Wick, which was odd because the Ninth Roman Legion had always gone by Leg Noam Hisp for Legio Noam Hispania. Shortly before 1707, a stamped plate surfaced that bore the inscription L-E-G-I-X-V-I-C, which was odd because the Ninth Roman Legion had always gone by L-E-G-I-X-H-I-S-P for Legio Noam Hispania. The V-I-C at the end of the inscription implied that the legion had been combined with the sixth or Legio Sex Victrix, at some point late in their career. This led Horsley to conclude the legions must have melded. But any time he got one step closer to confirming this theory, something would push him two steps back. Like when he came across a passage written by Cassius Dio, a Roman statesman in his text Roman History. He claimed that some legions were disbanded altogether— Others were amalgamated with other legions by Augustus himself and by later emperors. According to Dio, these merged legions were listed as twinned. It seemed like a promising lead that could prove Horsley's theory once and for all. He just had to find the right report. If the Ninth had been absorbed by the Sixth, then it would have been listed somewhere. The Ninth twinned with the Sixth. Except there was absolutely no record of the Ninth Legion ever having been twinned with another legion. Horsley also theorized that maybe the Ninth had been recorded as broke. This had been the case for one unlisted legion in 161 CE, who was completely overwhelmed and wiped out by the Parthians. By that logic, if the Ninth had been extinguished in the beginning of the first century during a battle with the Brigantes, they should have been documented as a broke legion. But again, Horsley found nothing of the sort. And once more, the lack of documentation is weird. If Hadrian gave any order regarding the Ninth, it would have made it into the histories. So the absence of evidence came to suggest that the legion wasn't wiped out and it wasn't merged. That left one more possibility— It was around for much longer than the original scholars had theorized. In fact, later archaeologists uncovered men whose biographies implied the Legion had survived for decades longer than any historian had ever supposed. A key finding related to Commander Crispinus. He was a former Ninth Legionary who was believed to have served in the Legion around 129 CE. Assistant Librarian Leon Renier uncovered an inscription on Crispinus's tomb in Algeria, confirming that the Ninth had to have persisted at least this long. This also meant Crispinus and his fellow legionaries hadn't been slaughtered by British tribesmen since he had a long and celebrated career after his military term ended. And he wasn't the only person who seemed to serve with the Legion long after it supposedly went extinct. In 1821, Italian Count Bartolomeo Borghese published a study on an archaeological dig in Minturno, Italy. The excavation yielded three tombs, 
each with an account of the deceased's career on the front. One of these tombs belonged to a man known as Lucius Berbuleus Ligarianus. The inscription listed Berbuleus's duties throughout his lifetime in order of importance. He'd held a number of honorable jobs like administration of property and finances, roadwork, senatorial governor, and head of state treasury. He'd also achieved the honorable rank of senatorial tribune in the Ninth Roman Legion. The most striking aspect was that Berbuleus had died well after the last surviving record of the Ninth, so much later that he'd probably served at some point after 118 CE. Borghese knew he could calculate his rough date of enlistment off of the former legionary's final two positions. Berbuleus had been a representative of Emperor Antoninus Pius, who reigned between 138 and 161 CE so he'd served with the Ninth before then. But Borghese also noted that this man was not given any military decorations during his service. This implied that it happened during a time without conflict. Meaning the former legionary was too young to serve during Trajan's war-torn reign. It was more likely that he became a legionary during the peaceful rule of Emperor Hadrian, or perhaps even later. Ultimately, it can be tricky to work out a detailed timeline so far after the fact. But Borghese's tomb seemed to imply that the Ninth was still accepting and training new recruits well into Hadrian's rule. Further solidifying this theory, an altar was discovered in Germany in 1957. Its inscription suggested that it had been constructed under the supervision of Lucius Latinius Macaire long after 119 CE. The detailed engravings even mentioned the fact that Macaire was the chief centurion of the Ninth Roman Legion. He'd climbed the ranks under Hadrian sometime during his reign between 117 and 138 CE, then, he took the chief centurion position under Emperor Pius after 138 CE, when he was nearly 60 years old. So the ninth was around at least into Emperor Pius's reign, if not later. Then there was Lucius Aemilius Carus, another senator who served the ninth but lacked military decorations, meaning he likely served around the same time, if not later, than Berbuleus. Lucius Aemilius also went on to have a fruitful career as the governor of Arabia, and when he left his position as senior tribune, he was replaced with his second-in-command, none other than Crispinus, the same man with the inscriptions in Algeria. But the most curious part was that following Crispinus's time in the ninth, he didn't receive another position for nearly 25 years. This was extremely uncharacteristic for the time. It would be like leaving college and not getting a job for 25 years after graduation. Typically, these men would leave the Legion and go to take a seat in the Senate or become a commander in another unit. But Crispinus's career stopped abruptly until 147 CE, when Emperor Antoninus Pius appointed him commander of the Third Legion in Africa. Some historians, like Stephen Dando Collins, suggest that Hadrian likely wanted nothing to do with Crispinus. Again, 
hinting by that point in history, service in the Ninth may have been somehow shameful to the Empire. On the other hand, it appears that at least some members of the Ninth went on to serve under Hadrian and even have careers down the line. But what that doesn't explain is why that information was completely left out of history, or where Crispinus's blank 25 years were spent. And unfortunately for scholars, none of these men who died after 120 CE were able to provide further insight into what happened to the rest of their legion. Which takes us back to where we began. Something happened in the early 2nd century CE. Something possibly scandalous, possibly deadly, certainly notorious enough to be left off official records. Unless historians have been looking for evidence in all the wrong places. An explosive discovery in 1964 led some researchers to believe the Ninth hadn't vanished at all. They'd simply traveled to where they were least expected. Coming up, evidence that the Ninth Roman Legion is uncovered in modern-day Netherlands. Now, back to the story. After years of getting pummeled by the northern barbarian tribes like the Brigantes, the Ninth Roman Legion continued to dwindle. Some believe that the Ninth may have been absorbed into the Sixth Roman Legion around 122 CE. But historical documents fail to prove that any of this had happened. In the 20th century, historians considered the idea that sometime during the reign of Emperor Trajan or Emperor Hadrian, at least two cohorts of the Ninth were dispatched outside of Britain, and they didn't simply return to Rome. The theories were based on a revolutionary 1964 discovery, which was announced at Limes Congress, an archaeological conference on the Roman frontier. At this gathering, attendees were given a first-hand look at what may have been the missing piece to the Ninth Roman Legion's mysterious puzzle. Dutch archaeologists shared a large stamped tile. The fragment had been excavated five years prior at the legionary citadel known as the Hoonerberg Fortress. It was located in modern-day Nijmegen, a small city in the Netherlands. Originally home to the 10th Roman Legion, the Hunerberg Fortress is thought to have been rebuilt sometime around 100 CE after being partially destroyed in the Batavian Revolt. Then the 10th was relocated to what is now modern-day Vienna. But after their departure, archaeologists believed that the fortress hosted a bunch of different troops who'd been sent over from Britain, some of whom might have left their mark. Take the inscription on that tile, L-E-G-V-I-I-I-I. That's V-I-I-I-I, not the standard I-X. A curious way to write the Roman numeral 9, and yet it seemed like proof that the Ninth Journey didn't end in York. Dutch archaeologist Jules Bogars wondered if there was more to the fact that this tile had been inscribed as V-I-I-I-I instead of I-X. He knew that the tiles found in York used the more modernized I-X, but there had also been tiles uncovered in Scalesca 
and in Cumbria, England, that displayed VIIII. So it's possible that legionaries stationed in Britain were using both and may have taken the VIIII with them to Nimean around 121 CE. Other Lemus Congress evidence was even stronger, like a piece of a rim from a ceramic mixing bowl, which was referred to in Roman times as a mortarium. The bowl, discovered in the same region of Nimean, also had one clear marking. It read L-E-G V. I-I-I-I-H-I-S-P. Until this point, no mortariums had been discovered in the British region. The Roman army wasn't known to make their own pottery. Instead, they bought their ceramics from local craftsmen. The inscribed bowl signified that the Ninth had not only moved to Nimean, but that they'd also taken up a new skill there. Some believe that the Ninth's troops in Nimehan were only a small vexillation or a detachment for special services, but others think the whole legion was sent there as punishment. This can be tied back to the idea that the Ninth had begun establishing relations with the Briganti and other tribes outside of Rome. After mass desertions, the few remaining members were sent to the modern-day Netherlands, maybe to get them away from bad influences. And their journey didn't end in Nimehan. In fact, there is some speculation that the Ninth Roman Legion may have even gone on to fight in the Second Jewish Revolt around 132 CE. Massive casualties had been suffered by the Romans in the Judea province, and they needed new troops. Roman general Sextus Julius Severus is believed to have passed through Nimean to recruit the Ninth Roman Legion for the war effort. Some historians, like Duncan B. Campbell, suggest that the Ninth met their fate at the hands of Jewish forces, and the few that survived were then disbanded by Emperor Pius around 153 CE. But this speculation mostly hinges on the assumption that the Ninth had been in the Netherlands immediately prior to the battle. And while the tile found in Nimean seems like concrete proof that the Ninth was stationed there, skeptics question its validity. Some argue that the specimen is far too delicate and eroded, and the visual quality is not clear enough for a proper assessment. It also appears that the final I in V-I-I-I-I is actually broken and might be a diagonal strike, meaning it's not an I at all. Perhaps that slanted last I was actually an A for Augusta. The tile could have belonged to Legio Octo Augusta, meaning the 8th Roman Legion was stationed in the Netherlands. Further complicating the debate, none of these tiles can be conclusively dated. So unless new technology emerges or a more concrete timeline presents itself, the evidence recovered on the 9th is up for interpretation. And so it goes. Dozens of theories surround the disappearance of the famed Roman legion. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we'll confirm them anytime soon. And the answer might not lie in any single hypothesis. They may all be true. 
Picture this. After the 9th Roman Legion moved down to York, they built the Aboricum Fortress. But soon, they were attacked by northern Brigante forces. The Brigantes slaughtered the brand new, inexperienced soldiers who had just joined the 9th, leaving only a couple hundred. The remaining few stuck around York. They were waiting for new orders to be disbanded or to receive a whole new shipment of legionaries. Only that didn't happen. Instead, Emperor Hadrian took over for Trajan and brought the 6th Roman Legion into York. He merged the 9th into the 6th Roman Legion, then sent a small contingent to Nijmegen as a vexillation. But the pride of the 9th remained strong. They stamped tiles and marked up pottery to remember their original legion, since it appeared that Emperor Hadrian would rather they be forgotten. The last vexillation in Nijmegen then followed Commander Severus to Palestine. There, the few remaining 9th Roman legionaries died in the Second Jewish Revolt. Finally, this was the end of the line. But that's just our theory. It's possible we'll never know the truth about the 9th Roman Legion. Although they disappeared from the historical record, the 9th Roman Legion has been crystallized in popular culture. Of all the Roman legions, the debate around their vanishing act has fueled speculation, research, and works of fiction, meaning their legacy has actually outlasted all other Roman legions and will continue to until their mystery is solved. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Thursday with a new episode. For more information on the Ninth Roman Legion, amongst the many sources we used, we found Duncan B. Campbell's The Fate of the Ninth to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Unexplained Mysteries, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next Thursday. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Lori Gottlieb, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner. 